This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Ken Smethers. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money in Sirius XM's Business Radio, Channel 132. That's powered by the Wharton School. I'm Kent Smethers, a professor here at the Wharton School campus in Philadelphia. Remember, we are live every Tuesday starting at 5 p.m. And that's 2 p.m. for those of you on the West Coast. And really the purpose of the show is simply to help you make better decisions with your money. We often focus on ways to increase your productivity and your income on the first part of the show. And the rest of the show, we uh, focus on ways to then wisely spend and save that money, including things like paying down debts, buying insurance, and of course, how to invest your money. With that, let me introduce my first guest, Kim Lankford, who is the contributing editor with Kiplinger's Personal Finance. She writes the Ask Kim column uh, for Kiplinger's Personal Finance, and she uh, receives hundreds of personal finance questions from her readers every month, and she's uh, frequently featured as a financial expert on television and radio, including NBC's Today Show, CNN, uh, CNBC, and National Public Radio. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hi, thanks for having me. So if you have a question for Kim, especially about Medicare and Medicare open enrollment coming up, uh, now's the perfect time to call. Again, live on Tuesdays here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And thanks for uh, do, uh, do, doing this important segment, uh, Medicare, uh, with us, Kim, in your recent article on um, eight changes to watch out for um, during Medicare open enrollment for 2019. So first of all, you know, let's define some things. What do we mean by uh, open enrollment? Well, from October 15th to December 7th every year is your time to pick a Medicare Part D prescription drug plan or a Medicare Advantage plan, which covers both medical costs and prescription drugs. So if you're over 65 and on Medicare, this is the time of year for you to pick any plan out there available in your area. And it's really important to check all your options, even if you've been happy with the plan that you have, because especially this year, there's a lot of new companies coming into the business. There's a lot of lower-priced policies out there, Mm -hmm. and there's also a lot of changes to out-of-pocket costs. So there's trade-offs that you may have to make. Yeah. So let's talk about Part D drugs first. I mean, how much are you forecasting that premiums are going to be going you know, down in 2019, of course, you know, cheaper is not always better. So what are some of the things that people should also be watching out for with the low premium plans? Well, that's exactly right. And the average premiums for the Part D prescription drug plans are going down about a dollar a month to $32.50 per month. And there is a huge range. There's some plans out there that have lower premiums. Some are as low as about $20, $22. Some are much higher. And the key thing is that a lot of the plans with the lowest premiums have um, may have higher co-pays for your drugs and also generally these days have preferred pharmacies. So if you're happy using, you know, a particular pharmacy, for example, the Humana Walmart plan was one of the earliest ones to have a preferred pharmacy. And if you have that plan and you use Walmart or Sam's Club or their mail-order pharmacy, you will have very low co-payments. However, if you use other pharmacies, you'll pay a lot more. So not only look at what the co-payments are in general for your drugs, but also make sure that you've got the best co-payments for the pharmacy that you like to use. So how does someone figure out if their preferred pharmacy is kind of on the list? Well, the great news is that there's a really good tool. And if you're you know, comfortable using the Internet, Medicare, Medicare.gov's plan finder. It's Medicare.gov slash 
find hyphen a hyphen plan and it is a wonderful tool that the government actually puts out and you type in your zip code and your drugs and dosages and it shows you your premiums plus out-of-pocket costs specifically for the drugs that you take for all the plans available in your area so it's really good not just to look at those premiums but look at those overall costs and that estimate will be really really help you see whether that low-cost plan will save you money or could end up costing you more by the end of the year. Now, let's also talk about the kind of notorious donut hole. It's used in a lot of different ways in public policy, but in particular with Part D, prescription drugs. I mean, so first explain what the donut hole is and, you know, uh, why is this kind of, it's it's about to change and it's certainly coming sooner than expected. Well, the donut hole has been that notorious section in the middle of the Part D coverage. Usually, yeah. you know, a few months into the year, suddenly, instead of having just, you know, regular copays for your drugs, you end up having to pay a much larger portion of the cost. And it's really, really complicated. But the good news is that the donut hole is closing a year sooner than originally scheduled. So in 2019, the donut hole will be closed. But that doesn't mean you don't have costs um, through, you know, throughout that section sure. of the policy. You still have to pay 25% of the cost of the brand-name drugs. And this is after your total drug costs reach $3,820. You then pay 25% of the cost of your brand-name drugs and 37% of the cost of generics until you're, you spend $5,100. And then at that point, um, you end up only having to pay about 5% of the cost of the drugs. So it's really complicated, but one great thing about that tool I just mentioned is you can look down when you kind of drill down to the specific plans, it shows you month by month what your out-of-pocket costs are likely to be, and it will show you when you're likely to hit the donut hole and when you're likely to pass through the donut hole. So it just really gives you an idea for, especially for your cash flow, figuring out when you're going to have to pay more, because even though the donut hole is closing, you still will have, you still may have some higher out-of-pocket costs in that section than you did than you would have in the first part of the policy. Yeah, in, I was in the Bush administration many years ago when we were setting up Part D uh, for for Medicare and um, costing it out and so forth. And the, whenever you see crazy things like donut holes, it's usually to, to, to meet some 10-year budget <laughs> <laughs> agreement. And that's exactly what it was. And we actually said at the time, eventually that donut hole is going to get closed and this co- the plan is going to definitely cost a lot more then it was officially scored and so much you know these uh, you know create what look like crazy policies from the end user is really driven by kind of the budget uh, process and again speaking with Kim Lankford who is a contributing editor with Kiplinger's personal finance talking about Medicare a complicated topic and if you got a question that was a great time to call here at one eight four four Wharton that's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six all right so let's switch over and talk about Medicare Advantage and a lot of people is Medicare Advantage, as you know, Kim, has been a really growing uh, considerably over time relative to the traditional Medicare. Explain what Medicare Advantage is, uh, and then we'll dive in. Sure. Well, Medicare Advantage, instead of getting kind of several different policies to cover your your drugs, 
and your medical needs. So if someone who has traditional Medicare, for example, that does not cover prescription drugs, so they get a standalone Part D policy, and they also tend to get a Medigap, a Medicare supplement policy, to yeah. pay for some of those, um, the deductibles and the copayments. But with Medicare Advantage, all of that is within one policy, and it is um, administered by a private insurer, so you're dealing with a private insurance company, but you don't have to get a separate policy for your drug coverage, a separate supplement policy. You pay your Medicare Part B premiums, just like other people do, uh, but then you get the rest of the coverage from the private drug company. And there's more companies are entering this business in 2019, so it's a good time to look and see if there's some new options in your area. And also, there are actually a surprising number that have lower premiums, and some even offer zero premiums. Um, you just pay your Part B premiums, and beyond that, they are, um, they are not charging you anything else. But a lot of times, these policies are ones with some of the smallest provider networks, because that's mm. the thing. Instead of being able to go to any doctor, you usually have to use a provider network. And for people who have been used to this with an HMO or a PPO, you know, through their employer before they were on Medicare, it's not a big deal. But it's very different than traditional Medicare, where you can use any doctor or hospital that accepts Medicare. Yeah, and, and, and you explained the trade-off really well. And sometimes people think, you know, okay, I'll sign up for Medicare Advantage, take advantage of the lower premiums, as you pointed out, they can sometimes be you know, a nice round number, so low. And eventually, you know, when I get sicker, I'll just switch back through traditional Medicare. And I realize this is not the focus of your article, about, but explain the issue there. Well, and that is a huge issue. And I get yeah. so many questions from readers yeah. because you can switch back into traditional Medicare, um, but you might have a difficult time getting a Medicare supplement policy. Yeah. And uh, you can you know, get any Medicare supplement policy in your area within six months of first signing up for Medicare Part B. So when you first you know, sign up for Medicare, you, that's the time you need to very, very carefully choose your Medigap policy if that's the direction you're going. Because later on, unless you have a special enrollment period, and there's one, for example, within 12 months of signing up for Medicare Advantage, a lot of people, if they change their mind, can go right. back and get a Medigap policy. But otherwise, you, uh, the, the insurance company can reject you or charge you more for Medigap after that six, initial six months because of pre-existing conditions. And people don't realize that because all other insurance does not have pre-existing condition exclusions at the moment. Um, but, um, but Medigap can. And so you really need to think carefully about which route you want to take, Medigap versus Medicare Advantage, because it may be difficult to switch later on. Yeah, and it's a really important point that I'll reiterate is that the rule on our Medicare is that if you buy a supplemental policy, which you only do with traditional Medicare, is they can't risk rate you. They can't do underwriting, uh, provided you sign up within uh, six months of turning 65. And But in fact, if you uh, are go to Medicare Advantage, where you don't have a supplemental policy, 10 years later, you want to shift back. Well, you technically can get back to Medicare, but you're not going to be able to get that supplemental policy unless um, they do risk rating, that is that they uh, do medical underwriting, and they could charge a much higher premium. Um, so I'm, again, speaking with Kim Lankford, contributing editor or Kiplinger's uh, personal finance. If you got a question, now's a great time to speak to an expert on Medicare, and that's here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Let me go to Gary calling from Michigan. How can I help you, Gary? Hi, Kent. How are you? Great, great. So I turned 65 in January, yep. and uh, so I'm I, I'm now eligible for um, uh, I'm sorry for uh, to sign up for Medicare. Sure. So 
so my question is, is I'm still employed and plan to remain employed uh, for the next five years. Is there any disadvantage, such as loss of my HSA, mm-hmm. to signing up for Medicaid? Yeah, and here's the big question, Gary. I, I assume I, I, I know the answer, just to be uh, careful, though. Are you currently getting health care through your employer, just like a standard uh, health care plan? Yes, I'm sorry I didn't say. That. Yeah, no, 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 that's good. I mean, because that's 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 important here. So, uh, Kim, your thoughts? This is a question I get from a lot of people, yeah. and you were so smart to know the HSA, um, the HSA special rules, because that is the one key thing. You know, a lot of people who are still working past 65. Um, they either decide not to sign up for Medicare at all, and the rules actually depend on their, the size of their employer. Mm-hmm. Um, if their employer has 20 or more employees, then they may be able to delay signing up for Medicare uh, while they're getting coverage through their current employer. Now, the key thing is it can't be retiree coverage or COBRA continuation coverage. It has right. to be through their current employer. Um, and if their employer is a large employer, then they may be able to do that um, you know, without any downside, and they just need to be sure to sign up for Medicare within eight months of leaving that job and losing that coverage. Um, and some people still end up signing up for Medicare Part A, um, even though they're uh, still having in coverage through their employer because that's free, that hospitalization coverage they've paid for through the years, and so they don't have a premium for that. Sure. And they may delay signing up for Part B until later. But as you had mentioned, um, if you have a health savings account, you cannot sign up for, and are contributing to it. And, for example, if your employer is making um, you know, matching contributions to your HSA, you you would not be able to continue making HSA contributions if you sign up for Medicare Part A or Part B. Right. So some people who have the option um, to, you know, whether or not decide whether or not they want to sign up for Part B may want to think about whether or not they want to continue making HSA contributions. And in that case, some of them even forego signing up for Part A while working so they still have that HSA eligibility. So it's really important to talk to your employer, find out what the size rules are with your employer because it's very different for smaller employers. Um, Medicare after 65 is your primary coverage, and um, and you really need to find out you know exactly how that's covered. But that's a really key question I'm getting from so many people because so many people are working past 65. Yeah, fantastic. Is that well, Gary? That's great. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, thanks so much for going. I really appreciate it. And speaking uh, again with Kim Lankford, is a contributing editor, Kipple Church Personal uh, Finance. And just let me add, you know, kind of one note to all that, and that is, the, you have to sign up for you know uh, Medicare within six months of your sixty fifth birthday if you're not working. But if you're working on these, uh, the rules that Kim just uh, laid out: large enough employer, regular health care plan, not Cobra, and so forth, it, that can be delayed. And still um, avoid that risk rating associated with the supplemental plan I was talking about later. Uh, the real logic behind that is that what the government doesn't want is someone retired to signing up uh, for for Medicare and maybe not getting supplemental insurance, uh, and then you know only waiting till they're sick to do that. It's called the adverse selection problem, um, and that's what's being avoided here if you're still working with an employer. So Kim, your average, as you pointed out, there's a lot more, you know, entry now into the Medicare Advantage kind of world because we see, you know, the demand has certainly gone up. Not surprisingly, supply is going up as well. And that's going to be leading to some premium uh, reductions. Any any kind of guess or essentially what, what type of premium reductions are we talking about here? 
Well, um, for 2019, it looks like the average premiums for Medicare Advantage are going to be $28 a month, and that's down from $29.81 a month. And like I said, uh, you know, there's a mm. huge range of premiums, and there sure. are, you know, more. There are a lot of new plans coming in that have zero premiums. And with Medicare Advantage, there's also a really interesting thing that's going new development that's starting in 2019 and will really, really increase in 2020. Um, there was some regulation changes that are going to make it easier for Medicare Advantage plans to offer some additional benefits. Mm. And um, they had, you know, a lot of times Medicare Advantage plans had offered some vision and dental and gym membership, some things you wouldn't get from traditional Medicare. Um, and they're going to start to be able to offer things like transportation benefits to and from a doctor and eventually even some things like adult day benefits, um, adult day benefits and um, skilled nursing care, um, limited nursing care coming to your home. Um, the regulations that permitted that changed right as plans were you know, um, filing their uh, plans with the, the regulators. So they're not some not too many big changes for 2019, but expect to see some some big changes in 2020. Maybe some more of that, um, uh, you know, adult day services and some skilled nursing care and things like that um, when you look for plans this time next year. Yeah, and what about over-the-counter medications? I heard that being uh, discussed as well as a potential additional benefit. That is true. And, you know, a lot of Medicare Advantage plans are already offering some over-the-counter benefits. I know um, United Healthcare has a plan with Walgreens where they give you a, a, a debit card, a, a debit card you can use at Walgreens for over-the-counter medicine. So a key thing is that, you know, some of these plans already have these extra benefits. You may or may not realize it. So in January, and I'm writing an article on this right now, mm. really find out how you can make the most of all of these extra benefits benefits um, that are being offered to you. A lot of them are having some additional tools, resources, some debit card situations like that. And, uh, and you know, make sure that you're, you're making the most of some of these new new resources that are going to be available starting in January. And, and part of the cost there is with Medicare Advantage, as you pointed out, it's like a PPO, HMO. You, you get this network. Uh, sometimes there is coverage for other network. It seems like the, the, the coverage itself is for other network is going on, even though benefits for in-network is is going up. Well, and that you need to be really, really careful to find out what the coverage is for the out-of-network care. And don't assume that it's going to be the same as it had been in the previous year. A big trend is that um, some plans that had been kind of more the PPO model and offering, um, you know, just higher higher copayments and higher deductibles if you went out-of-network um, are changing more to the HMO model and not, um, not providing coverage for out-of-network care at all, except for in emergencies. And, um, and then on the flip side, there's some plans where you can pay a little extra and maybe get coverage for um, uh, out-of-network doctors and hospitals that are in other states. Um, I know Aetna has a plan like that. And uh, so it's really important to find out, you know, first of all, what happens when you're in the network, but also what happens if you are out of the network? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you can check if your doctors and hospitals are included, but you never know what's going to happen to your health during the year. And, and just kind of, you know, be, be familiar with how the plan works. If you do end up getting your know, referred to a specialist or someone who, you know, may really be good at what the care that you, that you need, but may not end up being in that network. Fantastic. Kim, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And you can find out more about Kim Lankford and her great work by simply going to the Kiplinger.com uh, website. Again, that's Kim Lankford, and she uh, uh, pens the Ask Kim column. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.